Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning. The weekend is upon us, boys and girls. Casey McAllister, Reed Mouse in the house today, good friend of uh, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop on the chat. Me and Mouse Cop don't see eye to eye, Tom. <laughs> we don't see eye to eye. I don't get that whole thing. What is the deal? He hates me. He wants to get me fired. Do you think I should be fired, Tom? Definitely not. Well, then you I don't mean, see... I mean, you are on your game. Then you don't see eye to eye with Mouse Cop either. So, we're on the same page. <laughs> he wants to fire pretty much all of us at some point. <laughs> he does? Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10A to 12P. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. Many of you are there, and we're going to get to the ranking debate here in a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, if you'd prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. It is a big sports weekend here in the Queen City, and it starts with the City Connect Series Tonight at Great American Ballpark, the New York Yankees come to town. Opening game of a three-game series. Now, as of late, including last night, Yankees are playing their best baseball this season after a bad start. They beat Toronto 4-2 last night. Aaron Judge clubbed another home run. They are now six games over 500 for the first time all year long. The Redlegs, as you know, coming off a 3-3 three three road trip through Miami and Denver. Ben Lively against Clark Schmidt tonight. This could be a good matchup for the Reds, at least as far as facing Clark. The New York right-hander has an ERA of over six, and in 40 innings pitched, he's allowed eight home runs. And now he's coming to Great American Small Park. First pitch, 640. Big guest today, former Red and Yankee great Paul O'Neill. He announces the Yankees games now on TV. He'll be joining us coming up at 11.30. Did you see what the Cardinals did last night? They blast the Dodgers 16-8, but the big story there, it's the first time at home since 1940 that the Cardinals hit seven home runs in one game. Four of them came in one inning. And don't look now, but the Redbirds are starting to get it together after a terrible start. They're one game behind the Reds and Cubs in the NL Central, but only six games back. TQL Stadium, KCA or nay, are you there tomorrow night? I will not be there tomorrow night. Sellout crowd. What do they call it? The hell is real match? Yes, they for do. For that sign on 71? Of course. Gives yeah. you the Ten Commandments. It's the beauty of living in the heartland of America. You can't do that in California. Can't do that in Oregon. Can't do that in Washington. Gosh, no. But in the heart of it all, Ohio, Ten Commandments, back-to-back -back billboards, five on each. And then when you're coming the other way, hell is real. Right? Yes, sir. That's right. So that means it's FC Cincinnati against the Columbus Crew. FCC has the best record in the MLS, 8-3-1, including a league all-time record. They've tied it, 7-0 and at home. Now, Columbus has a good team, and they're having a good year. Five wins, three losses, four draws. That's the fifth-best record in the league. The voice of FC Cincinnati, Tommy G, will join us in a matter of minutes. On the hardwood, in game one, it was all about Jokic. In game two, his pick-and-roll mate, Jamal Murray. 
Murray scored 23 of his 37 points in the fourth quarter, including four three-pointers, propelling the Denver Nuggets to a 108-103 Game 2 win in the Western Conference Final over the Lakers. Denver has never beaten L.A. in the postseason. Seven series they've met through the years. It's two games to none now, Denver Game 3, Saturday night in L.A. Eastern Conference Finals resume tonight. A huge game for Boston. Remember, they lost game one at home to Jimmy Butler and Miami two nights ago. They need this one tonight. Tip off at 8.30. And in college football, huge pickup for the University of Kentucky. The Wildcats signed the sixth highest rated high school quarterback in the country. He's from Lexington, Kentucky. His name's Cutter Bowley. And he chose his hometown team. Over the likes of Michigan, Tennessee, Penn State, Florida State, among dozens of others. So how about that? Good for the Big Blue. A lot of connections here in Hamilton and the Big Blue. Absolutely. Hamiltucky? Kentucky? You can big, say that. Big Blue, I can say that. I'm not allowed. You got on my case about saying I did. I, I get on everyone's case about it, Tom. It's not just you. But if I'm working here every day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, if I'm working here every day, why can't I start to refer to it now? You didn't grow up here. This is the mud, Tom. I grew up in the mud of Hamilton, Ohio. There's nothing muddy about Baden. Baden? Are you they kidding me? They don't get down and dirty at Baden. You kidding me? The Big Blue does, but not Baden. There's a little neighborhood right down the road called Lindenwald. It's a little neighborhood of Linden Hamilton. Linden what? Lindenwald. You know what its nickname is? The mud. The Catholic ghetto. That's, that's where we grew up here in Hamilton. It's just what it is. It's the You're mud. the one that used that term, not me. Hey, my dad would, would hate if he heard me say that term. I said it to him one time. I was like, you grew up in the Catholic ghetto, and I got, I got grounded for a while. But I don't blame him. I don't blame him. <laughs> Good Lord. You're a guy. He is relentless. <laughs> yeah, Mouse Cop. I don't, I don't know whatever. <laughs> He's trying to get me fired. And I so love, you've never met this guy? Never have met him. And you know what's crazy is we have a lot of similar opinions. Like, we both love the Muskies. We both love Jerome Hunter. <laughs> we both love the Bengals. But for some reason, we just don't see eye to eye. And it's okay. You're allowed to have people you don't see eye to eye with. Okay, we got Tommy G coming up here in a minute, okay? Um, but I don't know how this happened. Where I'm supposed to be responsible for the chat rankings today. I'm having a hard enough time getting through this show. I mean, I'll skim the, the, the chat regularly and love everybody who takes the time to watch a show and get on on the chat. But how in the world, I mean, I'm not able to do the rankings for the chat. I can have opinions about, like, like for example, Chad Waits, I said to you this morning, right? He and Sir Boy Wonder were the first two in the chat before we got started today. And the, the first thing he puts up, and he's been putting up old Reds players, right? Good, bad, yeah. in the middle. Today, excuse me, he puts up first name out of the gate, capital letters, Pedro Borbone, one of my all-time favorite Reds. You talk about a gamer. Pedro Borbone was a gamer. That guy, he'd take the ball anytime, any day, this stuff now, they don't let guys pitch three days in a row. Borbone would have pitched 15 days in a row. He had that kind of arm. Gamer and good. So when I saw that from Chad, 
if I had to do the rankings, right now he would be sitting in the top spot. Chad. And I need your guys' help here. We, 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 we put together a little, little power rankings because we didn't want to put you in that tough of a spot. We know that. I don't mind doing it if I had time to look at it. No, that's all right. Oh, look at Sir Boy Wonder. I mean, you talk about a guy who's just begging. He is begging. <laughs> I mean, come on. Sir Boy, you're, you're my buddy, but come on. <laughs> come on. So how about this, Tom? We'll take the power rankings this week, and we'll let you have a full week to dig <laughs> digest it, and you do it next week. Really look at it. We, we've, got the, we've got our power rankings already set up, but we'll give you a whole week okay. to digest it, and we'll do you next Friday. <laughs> Heading into Memorial Day. God, I mean, Mouse Cop is brutal. I mean, he is just brutal with you. All right, let's get to our buddy Tommy G. He's always kind enough to join us. Man, I heard, hey, before we get into your play-by-play, -play, which I heard some the other night, um, I, I got to ask you, um, did I hear somebody say, and I should know this and forgive me for not knowing, but I know that, that, that you run some kind of a company, right? That does a lot of these videos and all this kind of stuff for different teams or organizations or whatever it might be. Did somebody tell me you did the one for, for the city connect series for the reds? That's right. Yep, absolutely. We did the uh, city connect video for the reds that came out on Saturday morning. So uh, my video production company, Fourth Floor Creative, we do stuff for teams across the country. We do a lot for FC Cincinnati. We do a lot for Xavier, NKU, Wright State in town, the American Athletic Conference, and the Reds called us in October and gave us a mysterious project to bid on. It was wild. We didn't know what exactly we were bidding on because everything was so confidential. And uh, obviously it turned out awesome. And yeah, four months, I'd say. We won the bid early January. So a little bit over four months of hard work went into putting that one together and, and the entire team so proud of what we accomplished in getting that one done. Dude, it's unbelievable. I mean, that is fantastic work. So for all of us here at Off the Bench, I mean, tell your staff and, and your crew what a great job you guys did on that. What is the name of the company again, Tommy, just so for people out there, maybe they're interested in picking you guys up and doing some work for them? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Fourth Floor Creative. Uh, we're a little bit over eight years old now, so we started in – to, uh, the spring of 2015, and we're building the empire one day at a time. But this one was a real, real honor for us, especially with all the civic pride, right? Uh, of being involved with the Reds, and, and you're all got to it, and your family has such an attachment to the Reds that uh, you know that that's the highest praise we can get. So I appreciate it. And I saw your old man last night, by the way. So uh, where'd you see you him? Know, just uh, he was at Josh Needs Comedy Show. So oh, okay, all right, Josh, you great, great job. Um, yep. Okay, yep. You, you're over there in beautiful Milford, Ohio, looks like. Is that where you I are? I am. Yes, yeah. I am. That is well, where I am. We are here waiting for the team to come out for Friday trading. Okay, uh, let's get right to it. Um, do you refer to it on the air as the hell is real match, or is that just for the rest of us shows out there? Nope. That's, uh, that's for everybody involved. The hell is real derby is on, and uh, this is one of the biggest rivalries in the league. There's no question. There, there's some very good rivalries in this league. And that doesn't uh, downplay any of the other ones. But there's no love lost between these clubs. Uh, Columbus, unfortunately, has, has owned a bit of the series. So that makes it a little bit tougher for us to Cincinnati. But, yeah, uh, this is a big one. And, and hell is real is absolutely what everybody calls it. All right. So um, tell me, I mean, we know that, that FC Cincinnati has the best record in the MLS. 7-0 at home to match a league record. Columbus coming into town. I had said moments ago, Columbus is having a good year. It's a good team, right? 
break down, you know, the two or three things that if you if you're just going to watch this one game, what are the two or three things that you would say would be the difference between winning and losing? Well, uh, I mean, look, I think if FC Cincinnati plays the way they played Wednesday night against Columbus, because Columbus has been kind of up and down. They have a new head coach in Wilfred Nancy, who is a very good coach, a coach that Pat Noonan has a lot of respect for. Uh, he had success in Montreal. And Columbus went. He was under contract with Montreal, and they went and got him from Montreal to come to Columbus and be the head coach. So this is a guy who uh, has a very clear style of play. And uh, in the games last year when they played each other, uh, they were very high scoring when FC Cincinnati played Montreal. And now he's the head coach at Columbus. They have Cucho Hernandez up top and Lucas Zellerion setting him up. So they have some very good offensive weapons. So FC Cincinnati, who was so good all around, but especially defensively in that sixth clean sheet for Roman Celentano, they're going to have to be that good again against Columbus. And if they can limit the opportunities for Columbus, I think the offensive opportunities will absolutely be there for the Orange and Blue. Um, when when um... – with this rivalry, is it one, and you mentioned that the, the, the crew, you know, they, they, they've had their way by and large in this series, uh, 2020 notwithstanding. Right. But, but at the end of the day, you know, there are certain teams that just live in other teams' head, right, without paying any rent. Yep. They're just in there. Is this one of those for FCC where, you know, it's time to go out and just give these guys a tail kicking and get rid of some of those thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think it's fair in some ways. I don't think that Pat Noonan really allows that kind of mentality, right, that, that it's a different era with Pat, that last year there was a loss in Columbus uh, when FCC didn't, didn't play very well, but they were missing a couple key pieces. And then there was a draw at home that really felt like a loss because FCC Cincinnati was leading 2-0, and Columbus got a goal that everybody thought was very clearly offside, but, but they allowed it to stick that tied the match at two apiece. So I, I don't know that the guys take the pitch now because Pat does such a good job. Everybody Wednesday night was talking about, is this a trap game? Is this a trap game? And it wasn't a trap game because Pat didn't allow it to be a trap game. So I don't think he's going to allow the previous results in this series to play into his. But, yeah, everybody wants to win partly because of what's going on with the team. Regardless of who the opponent is, the team is playing so well right now and getting another home win would just propel them that much further up the standings and, and hopefully distance them from some other teams and continue this great run of form at home. So I don't think it necessarily is dependent on, on giving Columbus that butt whooping that everybody wants to see, but it's just continuing to do what you do. And what was interesting Wednesday night, Luciano Acosta scored. Brandon Vasquez scored. Those guys haven't scored a lot of goals this year. They scored a heck of a lot last year. So if those two are suddenly getting it going, then FC Cincinnati is going to look pretty scary. All right. I know you're busy today, Tommy. We can't uh, thank you enough All for good. your time today. Dude, you sounded great the other night. Uh, and uh, go it. get them. Go get them tomorrow night, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good. Always a pleasure, Tom. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Tommy G, good man. Good man on his game. I heard, I heard a couple of his calls the other night. And, uh, you know, from one announcer to another, you always love – I always love – I mean – you can be a great announcer, but you got to hit the big moments right. And you're not going to hit them every time. Doesn't matter how great you are. I, we could bring Al Michaels in here, Jim Nance in here, Marty Brenneman in here, Ben Scully, God rest his soul. We, we could bring all those guys in here. You're not going to hit them all. But you got to hit most of them. And that dude hits him. That guy hits him. Does good? Real good. Tom, you ever broadcast soccer? No. Never once? No. Not in college? Nothing? Nothing. Really? No. Would no. you have liked to because you were a soccer player in high no, school? No, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, no. Mm. 
He'd be too bored, Reed. Leaves it to Tommy G. Leaves it to Tommy G. Nobody's taking that guy's place. I mean, he's on his game. And uh, we're lucky to have him here in town. And, and, and you know, um, how long is that uh, Cincinnati Connect video? Have you guys seen this thing? I have not that seen it. his company's no. made? No, it's yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, it's, minutes, it's unbelievable. Right? It's a couple minutes, right? Is it, we ought to run that later today. Okay. I'll because, uh, and give props to, as we did on the air, but, um, it, I mean, for the amount of work, and, you know, you can look at something, and, and you guys know this because you've been in the quote-unquote business. You know, when you're putting together something like that that's two and a half, three minutes long, whatever it might be, but the amount of work mm-hmm. that goes into producing, shooting, editing, the music, all of it, interviews, the amount of work that goes into a project like that, and you heard him say, I mean, they, they've been doing it for four months for just a couple of minutes worth. And, you know, just like hitting it uh, as a play-by-play guy on the big moment uh, for their company, that's a big moment. You just heard him. That was a big deal getting that red sink. Uh, they got the unis. What do you guys think of the unis this weekend? The City Connect? Yeah. I think they're sharp. Yeah. Do you like them? Love them. I think they're sharp. Look great. I don't get the connection to the city because that's the whole thing. They're City Connects. But I don't, I, don't, I don't see much connection there. But they are sharp. They're nice alternate jerseys. They're very Well, nice. I think they're trying to connect to young fans. Because young fans like that stuff, right? You see it in college football where, you know, Ohio State once a year, they'll wear all black, right? Some, you know, different uniform than they would normally wear. And other, other colleges do it, you know, mm-hmm. not just Ohio State. But it, it, and, and it's, I think it's all designed. Because most guys my age are not going to care one way or another about it. Ah, uh, yeah, and some grumpy guys, I, I'm probably one of them. Uh, you know, well, why they got it? But the young people love it. They love it. And uh, that's going to be a great atmosphere down there with the Yanks. It's about a minute and 39 seconds long. If you're wanting to, to run it, we can run it. Or Let's run it right now. Let's All run right. it. Here it is. Here this is go. the work of Tommy G and company. You can't tell the story of Cincinnati without Reds baseball. Because here, on the banks of Ohio... Is where it all began. So here's Burdick and here's Bruce. Get it it's gone! We know about the history. The traditions. We've celebrated the triumphs. And honored the legends. We are the birthplace of professional baseball. Sparking the passion of America's pastime. So yeah, we recognize everything that brought us here today. But that doesn't mean we're living in the past. It's time to flip the switch. Time to let the world in on the rest of the story. Take notice, Cincinnati is rising up with the united vision marked by bold innovation. Now, we lead it tomorrow by lighting the way to what comes next. <laughs> East side, west side, together, fueled by collective energy, we will connect, evolve, and honor what we love most. This city. This team. Harnessing the power of red, igniting the fire and pride in a new generation. Ah! Who we were? Nah. It's about who we are and who we will be. Since. Cincy. Let's power up. It's pretty big league. 
That's big league, big league. No That's doubt great. about it. That's great. That is fantastic work. Uh, somebody said in the chat, I wish they would have uh, uh, alluded to the Reds being the first team. They did. They said that in that video. Yeah, yeah. It all started here. That's, That's right. What I said. Tom, you were you were the broadcast for the Reds for what? Twelve years? Uh, two, well, if you combine two go rounds, uh, it was like uh, fourteen. Fourteen. What was the best moment? No in- longer now. What am I talking about? It would have been um, no two the first go round, then left, came back, and then um, yeah, fifteen something like that. So they showed a couple of the, you know, the big moments that have happened in the past 20 years for the Reds. You were there for most of it. What was the best moment calling, calling the Reds in the past 20 years? There are the, the 14 years, 12 years, whatever it was that you were there. What was, would you say was the best moment? Because they well, showed I the think Todd the one Frazier. they used that, and the, yeah, the Jay Bruce thing there. I mean, that okay. was so unexpected, that team. It was a good team, but I don't think anybody, when the year started, thought they were going to win the division, which they sure. did. And so uh, Jay Bruce hitting that home run. Of course, you know, it, You'll run into, you know, a thousand people over the year. I was here that night. <laughs> Come on. It wasn't even, wasn't even three quarters full. It's a, is it, are you comparing it to, I feel like I know everyone in Cincinnati knows someone who was at the freezer bowl, right? Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. My grandpa was at the freezer bowl. It's like, all right, come on. Not everyone was at the freezer bowl. I'll probably tell my kids I was at the freezer bowl just to see if they'll sure. fall for it. You know? Yeah. I've told you that story, my, my, my freezer bowl story that day, right? Did you go? No. So what happens is, street I lived on, my sister and I lived with our mom. My, my, my folks were divorced. And we lived in this little ranch house in this nice little street out in Anderson. And a guy who lived two doors down, a guy named Stan, he was in his 70s. He used to walk his dog every night. And every night he'd be walking his dog and have a cocktail in his hand. Mm-hmm. Nicest dude I mean, I'd talk to him virtually every night when I'd get off work and come home and I'd see him walking around and we'd shoot the breeze for a few minutes. So he was a season ticket holder for the Bengals. My best buddy lived across the street about three houses down. The morning of the freezer bowl, knock on our door about 8.30 in the morning and it's Stan and he's all bundled up and he says, hey, he says, you want to go to the game today? He says, I got two tickets, and it's way too cold. Now, I had not been outside yet. He <laughs> says, you want two tickets? He says, I wouldn't send anybody to this game, but you guys are young enough, maybe it doesn't matter. So I'm a senior in high school, I think. Yeah, senior in high school. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I'm like, well, let me find out if I can get a buddy to go with me. And I, I said, Stan, I'll knock on your door in 10 minutes. I'm going to run down the street in my buddy's house and get him out of bed. And, and, and so I walk out the door after throwing some clothes on. Walk out the door. I only walk three houses down and across the street. I didn't even knock on his door. I turned around. I walked right back to Stan. I'm like, no chance. Not doing this. None. Whatever it was, 50 below wind chill. I mean, it was brutal. No way. Stories about people getting hot coffee and freeze before before they get back to the seat. It was... (laughs) And then when they come out, and of course you watch it later on television, when that when the when the and and, and the Chargers have talked about this, mm-hmm. uh, the players on the Chargers, when the Bengals' offensive line came out with no sleeves, no on, no sleeves, anything. I mean, they looked at those guys when they came on the field, and they're like, "Whoa, nut cutters, big time, big time nut cutters, big time." 
Brian B says, my claim to fame, I was there in 1990 when they clinched a division. That was when they were in the West, right? That was before the three divisions. That's exactly right. Uh, that's exactly right. All right. Um, is uh, Steve with us? He is. He's settled in? He's getting settled in. Great player on the tour. Kentucky's very own Steve Flesh. He joined us a couple of weeks ago uh, when the Masters was teeing him up. So we uh, asked him if he wouldn't mind joining us again with the PGA underway. And Steve, kind enough to join us. Steve Flesh, good morning. What are you up to? Hello. Hey, sorry about the movement. I had to move because the dog was making too much noise again. No, wait, wait. We are a dog-friendly show. <laughs> Always yeah. a dog-friendly show. We love the dogs. Good. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, four busy weeks on the road. Got a week off and uh, head back out for three in a row here next week. So How you playing? Okay. You know, I'm not setting the world on fire right now, but uh, I'm not playing terribly. It's just kind of the nature of the game. I don't, I don't know why I'm not a great springtime player. I play good uh, summer and fall for some reason. I don't know if it's a biorhythm thing or maybe I just don't get my mojo going, but uh, I'm playing fine. You know, I finished 14th in Houston a few weeks back, 25th last week. You know, I'm just plodding along. I'm playing well in the final round. I'm getting off to slow starts. I got to get out of the gate quicker. So, you know, I, I was thinking about a couple of things without, you know, getting into specifics. We will hear in a second about, you know, the, the, the first round and the second round now is underway at, at the PGA. But, but I was thinking about a couple of things that I did not ask you the last time when you were kind enough to be with us for a long time, talking about your career on the, uh, the, the, the PGA tour and now the senior tour and all that kind of thing. But, but, you know, I was thinking this morning, and you just made me think of it again. When you go out in the first round and you don't play well, okay, let's just say in this case the leader is DeChambeau. I think he's three under, right, after one round. If you go out in the first round and John Rahm, for example, okay, now he's a number one ranked player in the world, but he's six over after a round. When do you start to say to yourself, okay, I might not be in this one. Or do you say, you know what? All I got to do is X and Y over the next, you know, 18 holes, and then I can be in a position to, to, to then play Saturday and Sunday. Where, where are you mentally when you go out after that first round and you're 7, 8, 9, 10 back? Well, it, it, our tour is different because we don't have cuts except in our three majors, but this is a major for them. But um, – John Rahm knows he's not in this one at six over. He's got to shoot probably three, two, three under par today to even play tomorrow. So, you know, starting with six over, I mean, you know, that's a blow, you know, and he, he, I don't know if you can recover from that. Like I said, he's got to shoot two or three under to even play tomorrow, third round. So, you know, I think he realized for, you know, when he's, two, three, four over, he probably doesn't have his best stuff. And I actually looked at John Rahm, uh, his stats last night, and he hit only, I think, five fairways out of 14. And when you do that at a major the way that Oak Hill is set up, I mean, you've never seen more more long rough in your life other than at U.S. Open, the way they've got it, you know, grown in this year. So, I mean, he knows he's got to play a, 
a pretty much a flawless round of golf today to even get have a chance to get back in the golf term. Now, if he can shoot four or five under and, and you know, uh, get back to one, two over, yeah, he might be in it. But his whole tournament is today because today hinges on whether he even can compete over the weekend. But the way Oak Hill is playing, you know, three under par, four under par, leading the golf tournament, it's going to be a brutal test. And I think they're going to get more wind today and over the weekend. So it's on, that that leading score is not going to be all of a sudden 10 under par after today. The winning, leading score could be three, four under after today. So he's not out of the golf tournament if he plays well today. But today his, is basically, you know, make or break for him. Okay, well, let's pick somebody else. Let's say Mickelson, for example. I think he was three over, okay? So he's three shots better than than where Rahm is. When when you're plus three and you're starting the second round and the leader's minus three, are you going into that day with that same kind of mindset? Maybe not to make the cut, you know, I mean, or the, unless the wheels fall off, but is your mindset, I still have a chance to win this thing? It doesn't have to be Mickelson. It could be somebody else. Pick somebody else. Anyway, it's it it is, it, and majors are a different animal, Tom, because it, it the course dictates everything, and not that it doesn't on a normal venue, but a, a normal a normal PGA Tour event, everybody's shooting three, four, five under par every day. Not everybody, but I mean the guys who are playing well, because the course is not that penalizing. It's there for the taking. Usually, major championships are different. Different. They expose every weakness in your game if you're not on and uh you know every every as, as, aspect of your game's got to be on you you got to drive the ball at oak hill in the fairway to even have a chance of thinking about making a birdie most tour venues week in week out you got one and a half two inch rough on a on an odd week it's a little longer than that but it's pretty much you know a birdie fest and these weeks pretty much from the tee will test you. And if you don't drive in the fairway, it's a struggle to make par. And from what I've seen of Oak Hill so far, the par threes are tough. The par fives are no gimme because you have to drive it in the, in the, in the fairway. And it's just relentless tee to green for 18 holes. And, and uh, you know, like Mickelson, driving's not his forte, but he's actually, he's got one of the best short games in the world. And that's why he's able to, you know, kind of stay in contention and why he always plays well at Augusta too, because it's such a short game oriented golf course. But, you know, this week you're not safe at three under par. I mean, you know, DeChambeau could go out today, drive it poorly. He said he drove it great yesterday. If he drives it poorly today, he could shoot six over and miss the cut. It's majors are a different animal. And, and that's what makes them so exciting because, and also the PGA championship, tends to lend itself to a number of types of players. It's not only one guy who can play well there. The way they set up the golf course, Kerry Haig, who is, uh, you know, chairman of the chairman of the event, sets up the golf course. He does a great job every year of not making it just a, a one-dimensional type of guy who can win the, win the event. Any number of guys. And you look at the champions in the past, all kinds of ones. Sure, Tiger, you know, Rory, those guys have dominated on cer in certain years, but most years, it can be anyone. Look at no further than, you know, when Tiger and Bob May were in a playoff at Valhalla years ago. You couldn't have two more contrasting styles of play, which is cool because most venues like U.S. Open, it's only kind of one guy who's going to win. It's kind of the bomber who can gouge out of the rough and, and, you know, 
really just dominates for the week. Mm -hmm. But uh, PGA Championship, it can be anybody usually. You know, I'm curious. You, you you bring up something about you know the director, and obviously he's working in concert with a lot of people about the preparation of the course and that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and and look, a lot of these courses where they're hold a U.S. Open or a PGA Championship, where it's rotating all the time, not like the Masters or something like that. Uh, so a lot of you guys have had a chance to play these courses before. Uh, do, do they communicate with the players? couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, out of what to expect out of the course that you're going to play a PGA championship? Not one chance they're going to do that. Um, because, it, it, let's face it, everybody's self-serving. You know, everybody's saying, oh, yeah, I'd love for there to be no rough. And he's going to say that because he doesn't drive it worth a damn. You know, um, <laughs> another guy might say, you know, I don't want the greens to be too fast, maybe because he doesn't put fast greens well. So, you know, they – they really dictate how they set the course up based on what the course, how it's meant to be played, if you understand what I mean. Like, you know, courses that have runoffs off the greens and whatnot, they really want to get the greens firm and fast so that the ball will find those areas to challenge the players. If, if you put long rough around the greens, which they do at a lot of U.S. Opens, it doesn't really, you know, allow those parts of the golf course to be used if there are runoffs or, you know, find the fairway bunkers. If they're out in the rough and the rough's four inches long, your guys aren't going to find them as often. So they want to kind of use the attributes of the course and set it up so that the challenges of the course are utilized versus just, you know, there's not one kind of template for how to set up the courses. They just basically use the venue to dictate how they hope. And then they hope the weather cooperates. Yeah. You know, if they, if they intend for the course to play firm and fast, but, you know, the week before they get deluges of rain, then it's out the window. Whenever, let me just tell you something. When there's no wind and the courses are soft, guys are going to chew it up. I don't care if it's 9,000 yards long. If the ball's going to stop where it lands and they, you know, they can dictate exactly how far their ball is going to go and predict the end result, guys will chew it up because they'll putt well. They're, these guys hit it eight miles. They fly at 300 yards, and they their irons stop on a dime. But when you give a tour pro firm, fast conditions and wind, a lot of a lot of control of your ball is out the window. So it's those are the, the events that I think are most fun to watch when the ball is on the ground running. Like, to me, the Open Championships over there in Scotland when the ball is, you know, hitting the ground and running 40 yards and the wind's howling 20, it's – it's not really fun for the player, but it's great viewing, great TV. Um, when you look at um, w when you look at the leaderboard right now, and I mean, you know, w w it, 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 it's one of those deals where if you only look at the first seven, eight names, I mean, you're sitting there saying to yourself, "This is exactly what you know uh, you would want at a major." When you have guys like DeChambeau and you have Justin Rose and you have Scheffler right there and you have Dustin Johnson there, and there, you know, a few of those big, big, big name guys uh, are there. You talked about this golf course and how it can play differently, and, and and really different kinds of players would have a chance at success or dramatic failure. If you were to just look through the first round and the names that are there right now. Is there one guy or two guys you say that's the guy or two to watch the rest of the way? Well, the easy chalk pick is Scheffler because he's, you know, yep. so good. But, you know, Scheffler's underrated in terms of his short game. And that's why I think he plays so well. I mean, 
I've never seen a guy chip the ball in more in the last two years than Scotty Scheffler. I mean, this guy holds out from everywhere and he, and he puts great, which man, what a great, you know, asset to have in your game. If you're not hitting it well, a good short game makes up for a lot of errant shots. And, um, it's easy to pick him, but that's the thing about the PGA. You don't know. I watched, you know, I watched Xander Shoffley yesterday start his round bogey double out of nowhere. And I just saw he's back to even par. I, I think he's phenomenal. I mean, you got guys in major championships who have a lot of grit and a lot of patience are going to play well. Adam Scott's playing well because he just strikes it, you know, like, like a machine, you know, it, it depends on his putting, but, um, there's a number of guys up there. I see there's a Michael Block. I think he's a club yep. guy right now who's playing well, you know, out of nowhere. But he's playing with nothing to lose. So it's great storylines. But what's going to happen is the golf course in a major is going to weed out these guys. And the guys who basically have control of their emotions and pretty good control of their golf ball um, are going to be the ones who are in contention come Sunday. You know, you can fake it around a major championship for a day or two if your short game is fantastic, but you're striking it poorly. But four days of that, man, that's like a dog chasing a car. It's not going to last long. Um, DeChambeau, much was made about all the weight that this guy's lost. I mean, he looked like a linebacker uh, for a while there, <laughs> and everybody knows he's hitting the ball 400 yards, you know, and all this kind of thing. He'd spray it around a little bit and, and the whole night, like a lot of people do. Um, but now all of a sudden he's lost all of this weight. Um, you know, what in golf, you see that, I mean, you're a lean guy and you knock the cover off the ball, right? And then you see all these guys that weigh 160 pounds and they're hitting the ball 350 yards. Did all that work in the weight room? Can you do, I've always felt in baseball, for example, you could do too much of that weightlifting. Is there such a thing as too much of that for a golfer? I think initially with Tiger, he was the first guy, and I think that's why more guys now look like they're in great shape. He combined the weight training with maintaining the flexibility. Years ago, there was a guy named Keith Clearwater who played the tour, and he, that name might sound familiar to you, but yep. he he just basically started really lifting hard. And, you know, the guy always – I mean, he had model looks, and, and you know, he had this – you know, big frame and he got muscular and he didn't really start hitting it further. He just felt like it, it said it made him feel better. Well, then his game kind of deteriorated because I think he lost some of his flexibility. You know, it's the flexibility is the biggest thing in golf. You know, a lot of guys that you say, how does he hit it anywhere? It really doesn't have to do with strength. It's building momentum throughout your golf swing, maintaining your flexibility where you can generate speed at the right place, which is impact. And, Tiger kind of brought to the forefront building size but maintaining flexibility. Well, I think Bryson did that to such an extreme, gaining weight, building strength. He, I, I read an article where he said his just overall his health, he felt terrible, like his gut health and everything. Mm -hmm. And he said he was just basically pounding the calories to try and keep this weight on. And he said he just generally felt so bad. Well, now I think he's gone back down. He obviously he's he looks, you know, much leaner now, and he says he feels much better. But when you fluctuate your body size, muscle mass, and flexibility that much, there's a timing to your golf swing. Say, from the second you take it back to the time you hit it is – sorry, there's the horse again. No, it's all right. Uh, 
uh, he, um, the timing of your swing changes. And you look at Craig Stadler years ago, David Duvall changed his body type. The overall general timing of your golf swing changes a lot. And when you're fluctuating that much, it takes time to get in a rhythm where you can repeat that over and over again. And I think Bryson, he said it's been a struggle for two or three years now. Not that he lost his game, but because he knew he's obviously still great. But he lost a little bit of his confidence because he's hitting wayward shots, which really just basically resulted because his timing was off. But now he's down to this leaner body size, and he's he's found his rhythm again. And that's what it is. When you change your body size left and right, timing changes in golf. And golf's so much about timing and rhythm and tempo and you know, finding the center of the club face is the most important part about it. All right, last thing. Uh, where are you off to next? You said you're getting ready to make a run of three weeks in a row on the road. Where are you heading? Go to Frisco, Texas next week, which is just outside of Dallas yep. for our senior PGA championship. Um, um, it's a Gil Hans design, brand new golf course, head of the – it's at the PGA of America headquarters. Supposed to be fantastic. I haven't seen it, but uh, – from there, we go to Des Moines, Iowa, which is a the community supports the event there so well. It's it's actually one of the most fun events we play all year. Um, big crowds. Uh, it's the biggest thing in Des Moines, next to I guess one of the Iowa caucuses they have every year. Right, right. But uh, and then we go to Steve Stricker's event in Madison, Wisconsin, the American Family Championship, which is, you know. Strick always gets you know Freddie Couples, Ernie, everybody comes to support his event. Madison supports us, you know, big time there. It's home of, you know, the Wisconsin Badgers. And and it's just a fun event. We actually play at the University of Wisconsin Golf Course. So it's it's a lot of red. Uh, no Ohio State people there. Believe me, they don't like the Ohio State people. But, uh, uh, but after a couple of days, you're like, I get it. The Badgers are here, you know. But uh, uh, just good events. We have we have great uh, support in our – that's – the PGA Tour plays the big, the big cities, Chicago, New York, whatnot. We play like middle, middle tier cities. You know, hope I wish, and we've worked on getting a, an event in Cincinnati or in Louisville. You know, just kind of like you know, a, a mid major size city. So, uh, you know, we go to those those venues, get great support, have a lot of fun, and you know. Hey, like I said, I'm living the dream at 55 playing golf. You, you know, you, you just prompted a la one last thing I wanted to ask you about because it prompted a thought. Uh, you live here in, in greater Cincinnati over in northern Kentucky, uh, born and raised here and lived your whole life here, still do. Um, you know, last week it was in the news that there was a chance that the big tennis tournament here could be moved to Charlotte, right? And that's been all over the place. Um you just talked about Des Moines, Iowa, and how much the players love playing in that event and the support it gets and, you know, the whole nine yards. All of the tennis players for years and years and years and years have said the same thing about this event here. You know, you're way out in the suburbs. You can bring your family into town. Everybody feels safe. It's a beautiful event. They run it big-time operation. What I'm getting at is do players get a chance to express the way they feel about playing in, in certain towns or certain events, if maybe there's some debate that eh, this one might go away or we're thinking about moving to another event or whatever. You know what I'm getting at here? Totally. And, and yes, they do. I, I think, you know, the, you know, ATP, I'm sure they've got like a player's advisory council. We've got a council and 
a board on the Champions Tour, the PGA Tour. Whenever they're thinking about, you know, leaving a venue, the players weigh in. And there's always, you know, the players have some say, but a lot of times, you know, Tom, it's just dictated by the sponsor of the event. Uh, I don't know the name of the company that took over the ATV event, ATP event, but I think they're headquartered down. Yeah. Um, uh, is it Charleston? You said something like Charlotte, that. Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte. Uh, yeah. yeah, Charlotte. That stinks for Cincinnati um, if, if they do leave. But, you know, I, I, that's what happened with the LPGA's event in uh, the big one that was the Dinosaur out in Palm Springs for years. Um, Chevron took it over. Well, Chevron's based in Houston. So guess what? The event's in Houston now. But, um, you know, it's what a facility to have up there at Kings Island, too. But that's not to say that they can't find another sponsor to come in, which, you know, that the event in Cincinnati, now that's on them. We got to find a sponsor. It, it might not be as big of an, of an event, but the fact they, you know, in terms of standing on the tour, there might not be as much money in it. But now it's on the people in Cincinnati who were, you know, running the event to maybe find another sponsor to come in. But what will happen is if they do find a sponsor, those players will come back because they love playing in Cincinnati. You know, that's, you know, just because the sponsor swoops in, takes it somewhere else, doesn't mean it's dead. It might might go away for a year or two, but it might come back with a new sponsor, maybe a local sponsor. Let's throw P&G in there. They just, right. they, you know, they did, uh, they're doing the event at Kenwood Country Club now. So um, hopefully that happens. And like with the tour, I know I'm getting long-winded, but you know, we, at the PGA Tour, we played a tournament in Flint, Michigan all those years, a Buick. Tiger won it like a hundred times. Um, but they got Tiger Woods to come to Flint, Michigan, which, hey, you know, he was a Buick-sponsored guy, but he's playing the event in Flint, Michigan. Think about people in Flint, Michigan getting the best player in the world for how many years coming every year to play in their, in their little town. It's fantastic. But when Buick, decided, Buick dropped out of golf sponsorship, they left Flint, Michigan, the Champions Tour swept in three years later and announced an event there. So now we go back. It's called the Ally, Ally Insurance, A-L-L-Y. Um, we go back there every year. And the players love it because we played the PGA Tour event there forever. Sure. And we love the venue. The You wouldn't believe the town, that, I mean, how they support it. We have Kane Brown that came in and played, you know, concerts on Friday night on the driving range for the whole town, you know, free of charge to everyone in the city. I mean – that's what we do. We're playing an event in Endicott, New York this year, Binghamton, New York, an hour outside of Syracuse and Albany, just a little bitty town. It's called the Dick's Sporting Goods Open. Well, the guy who, um, excuse me, owns Dick's Sporting Goods, that's where he grew up. They've got, we've got Kenny Chesney coming in this year to play a concert <laughs> on the 18th fairway. You know, I mean, it's, that's why, that's what the Champions Tour is. You know, we're, we're, hey, we're, we're old guys playing golf. We have fun, but we're about, you know, basically keeping these communities active, raising charitable dollars. And this isn't a promo for the champ tour, but that's, that's what the PGA tour is about. We, you know, we don't like abandoning the cities we're in. So, Hey, champions tour goes back to some of these cities. We do it a different way. We do two pro-ams a week, do a concert on the range or on, on the, you know, one of the fairways on a Friday night, but they're bringing in serious guys. You know, it's not, you know, it's pretty fun, but, uh, you know, that's hopefully ATP long roundabout way. Hopefully that's what happens with the ATP in Cincinnati, you know, come no, back, 
bigger, bigger and better than ever. No doubt. Steve, uh, good luck next week, man. We'll be uh, yep. we'll be keeping Thank an you. eye on you. Go out there and tear it up, man. Thanks again for your time today. Great to hey, see you. Always a pleasure, man. It's fun coming on talking with you guys. See you All righty, Steve. Have a great day, man. Good luck. Thanks. Yeah. All right. You got Godspeed it. ahead, Steve Flesh. Great dude, man. Great, great dude. I mean, he that's a big leaguer. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, now, unlike Paul O'Neill, who's going to be on the show later on, Paul grew up outside of Columbus, Ohio. But, and I'm going to ask him about this today. Uh, I was thinking about it. You know, O'Neill, once he came to play for the Reds, um, and he gets settled in with his wife. They've been married forever. They're kids. They grew up here. They raised their kids here. He never left here, even all the years he played for the Yankees. Flesh, I mean, guy could have lived anywhere. You know, he's winning PGA Tour events. He's won on the Senior Tour, Champions Tour, they call it now. I mean, this guy could live anywhere. But, you know, grew up right across the river uh, in northern Kentucky. Raised his kids right here uh, and has never left. And uh, I'm going to ask Paul O'Neill why he never left. Because he became, he became so big in New York, it's almost indescribable. I mean, you think of all the Yankee greats, and, and I've told the story before, and I'm going to ask Paul about this. When I was broadcasting the 2001 World Series, when the Diamondbacks were playing the Yankees, and I'm announcing it on radio because, you know, Fox Television was doing it. I had finished doing the LCS that year, the NLCS, when the Diamondbacks beat Atlanta. But then we were doing local radio for the Diamondbacks um, and, and went up there and played games three, four, and five. Uh, at Yankee Stadium. And those were the last three games that Paul O'Neill played in the big leagues. And he had been this great player for the Yankees. He was a good player for the Reds. He became a great player for the Yankees. And every at-bat he had in game five, I mean, all the Yankee fans know that the series is going back to Arizona because it started 2-0 Arizona. Yankees win the next two. Here you are in game five. They know it's going back to Arizona, and they know this is the last time O'Neill is ever going to play at Yankee Stadium. He's already announced he's going to retire at this point. And, uh, man, I mean, I, 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 I get goosebumps thinking about it. Just when he would walk up to the plate and they'd go, Paul O'Neill, you know, I mean, it, the whole stadium, old Yankee Stadium, 60,000 people, whatever it was, every one of them on their feet cheering for this guy. Um, it, it was unbelievable. But uh, he calls Cincinnati home, and he's going to be with us to talk about the uh, Yankees being in town. Uh, I'm assuming he's calling the games. We'll find out here in a little bit. Uh, so let's take a break, boys. we got a few things to cover. In case you're going down the game tonight, mm -hmm. yes, we'll talk about that. We're going to do an early preview of where the chat standings sit. Okay. All right? All right. Just an er and look, subject to change. A lot of you are pretty tired today. I, I got to tell you. I don't know if you were out last night on a Thursday night. I know I was. Uh, but I got to tell you, um, it, it, there's a lot of tired in here. Although I will say this. Yeah. Guess who's back in the house today? Who? Leaf? Leaf Erickson back in the house. It's a big I mean, deal. Casey, you did everything you could to kick the guy out. What do you mean? I thought you banned sir. him at one point in time. I put him in did time Did you out. or did you not ban him? I put him in timeout for a little bit, for five minutes. And we didn't see him for two weeks. Well, longer right. than that, I think. Right. Well, I mean, maybe he was on with you guys on box lunch. Are you doing the show today? 
No, we're not. This is the, the chat power rankings will be the abbreviated box lunch. Was Trace Fowler being facetious when he said, I need to speak louder? If it was the one with the, without the wrench, it was not the real Trace Fowler. That's a fake. It's a burner. <laughs> it's a burner. Someone, someone made a Trace Fowler burner. No one has made a Tom Brenneman burner, and we don't need that to happen. There are all kinds of You'll Tom Brenneman burners out there. Well, in this chat, we'll kick, we'll kick any Tom Brenneman burner. I mean, good. when you guys try to sign me up to get on Twitter for the first time, I mean, there are like nine Tom Brenneman accounts. <laughs> Got a little late. Who, who does that? Late everyone wants, who everyone, does that? Everyone wants to be a Tom. No, give me a break. Who does that? Seriously. Who does that? Kind of sign up and like you're, you know, come on. Who does that? Um, Everett says, who's tired? Okay, I'll point out who's tired before we go to a break. When we are getting over and over and over again, some of this stuff about Jordan Love. Who cares about Jordan Love? Drace does. Packers fan. I That's do. Cool. I, I got to tell you, I normally don't jump on, uh, jump on the bandwagon with uh, your guy, Mouse Cop. That is my guy. But he is, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's bringing it today. You know where I think me He's and bringing Cop, it today. Where me and Mouse Cop started separating is <laughs> when <laughs> when I went against Adam Kunkel. When I when I said that I didn't like Adam Kunkel, I think that's really what forced the wedge in between our in our relationship. Well, that it, it did with you and me too, because I got to tell you, I'm not a Xavier fan. You know that, right? I don't have anything against him. I'm just not a big fan. No, right, right. But I mean, Kunkel is the kind of guy that. If he plays on your team, well, apparently not in your case. If he plays on your team, you love him. If he plays on the other team, you hate him. And those are the kind of guys I, I love, whether I have rooting interest for him or not. Sure. Guy's a gamer. Uh, we have a phrase for that on this show. Nut cutter. He is. He's a nut cutter. Can't stand him. I mean, there are guys all over college basketball far more talented than that dude. No doubt about and it. And he, he, look, he's not perfect. I mean, Sule Boom wasn't perfect. Mm. Nobody's perfect, right? The best compliment. But that dude is a gamer. I want to get him on the show, and I want I you to be do. sitting in that chair when we have him on. Absolutely. So you're saying that's where you and Mouse Cop went Abs south? I think, that's, I think that's really what forced the wedge in between us. The thing about Adam Kunkel as an athlete, and this is me giving him praise, is the best compliment that you can give an athlete, and I truly believe this, the best compliment you can give an athlete is they played above their ability, right? They got the most out of their ability. And that's what Adam Kunkel did. So that's the praise I'll give him. But I, I don't know. Just rubbed me the wrong way at times. Well, I figured, you know, I figured that would be your kind of guy. You strike me as being a kind of guy that would like that kind of guy. You just described that kind of guy. And I you, you like praise. that kind of guy. You, you don't praise. like the guy. I guess it, it's the contrarian in me where every other Xavier fan is just oozing about Adam Kunkel. I'm like, ah, come on. So I, there's a lot of Xavier fans that don't like Zach Fremantle. So I kind of put Zach Fremantle in my camp. I was like, I like Zach Fremantle. Give me Fremantle over Kunkel. Um, as we go to the Ham and Eggers, Drew Evers has moved to near the top of the rankings. Drew Evers is in this chat. Drew says Reed's stash is the definition of electricity. Now that him. is a big league take. <laughs> I love Drew. No Drew. Grew up with Drew. Electricity. 
Ham and Eggers, take it away on that note. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Casey, I gotta tell you. Mm-hmm. You had your bachelor party last weekend, and you went to, uh, you got Pawnee water because it's a superior form of hydration. That's all a hangover is. It's your dehydrated. Yeah. For me, you know, because I am an elite athlete. I play in the Cincinnati Adult Baseball League, which is just like the best baseball that there is, that there ever could be. And for a superior athlete like myself and like the other athletes in the world, you know, the Adam Kunkels of the world and everything like that, we prefer the benefits of superior hydration, and that's what Pawnee Water gives. It's, it's the fact that it's the natural processing. It's not the artificial processing. It's not the salt and the sodium that they put in there to get the electrolytes. It is the natural limestone filtration of Pawnee Water that makes it superior. And the thing about Pawnee Water truly is – You've got to drink water, right? You have to drink water. I have to drink water. Casey, you have to drink water. You might as well enjoy it. Yeah. And Pawnee's the best tasting water in the world. It is. So that's why I like Pawnee water. And honestly, if you guys are going down to Cincinnati tonight, I believe um, on the Purple People's Bridge is the Margarita Bash, right? They're, I forget what it's called, but um, the Margarita Festival. Pawnee water is going to be there. So if you find yourself on the Purple People's Bridge tonight, make sure and get some Pawnee water. Casey? You excited to go to the ball game tonight? I am excited. I'm very excited. Can't wait to watch some really good baseball. Get to experience watching them play in their uh, Cincy City Connect jerseys. Might uh, might go ahead and catch me one of those hats or buy me one of them jerseys. Something. I don't know. I'm excited though. You you believe that you should get the the licensed jerseys? You don't. You don't get the fake stuff. And I appreciate Correct. that about you. I appreciate that about you. Yeah. Truly do. You're going to see the, the greatest team in the sport, the Yankees, come to town. Now, there was a time, Casey, you might, you might not know this, but before the mid-90s, the American National League never played each other. Right. Yeah. I, yes, I've heard of this. It's just recently that they So the only it. time that they would meet is two times. They'd meet in the All-Star game, and they'd meet at the World Series. So, like – all season long, you'd be hearing, oh, the Reds are the best team in the National League. The Yankees are the best team in the American League. Who's truly better? And you would just chalk it up. But that's what the World Series was. About the mid-'90s, all these other leagues were playing interleague. So the, the MLB stepped in, and they said, all right, for one month in June, you'll play a couple American League teams. And that's what they did, and the games kind of progressed. And now you play every team in the league, which is a good thing because now the Yankees come to town. You'll always see the Reds play the Yankees. You'll always see the Reds play the Red Sox and stuff like that. So it's nice. Yeah, that's nice. You get to see the, the namesake of my dog, Anthony Rizzo, come to town. So he'll be playing tonight, which everyone hates for some reason. But it's good. It's good. It'll be fun. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. I'm just going to hang out at the bud deck and watch the game, drink a few beers. Nice. Nice. You going to get a Sky Rosa? Ooh, I might get a Sky Rosa. Hmm. I've been thinking about it. Someone mentioned it in the chat uh, that it wasn't in the City Connect video, and ever since then I've been thinking about it. So, yeah, yeah. you bring it up now is not doing me. Have you? You've had one, right? Yes, I have. It's fantastic. We need to get Tom one sometime. We need to get him a Sky Rosa. But well, he might have already had one. But before we move on, we haven't talked about the Bengals or really the Bearcats either. But it is. Worth mentioning that the Bengals Bearcats report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. It provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. 
supporting both centralized and work from home computing models to improve efficiency and am i doing this right productivity yep visit encore.tech the path to innovation begins here tom have you had a sky rosa yet i don't even know what it is we've talked about this it is you take the la rosa's pizza right you, you get a oh slice yeah 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 no not a chance not a chance that's a big league you're a big league operator that's a big league meal right there they're too good by themselves right so you put them together and no no nope. i mean you. i love la rosa's pizza it's fantastic love skyline went yeah. there the other night um no when's the last time you guys did it i've not had one this year i had one this year this this red season I've not oh had okay one. okay yeah, okay yeah. i had one one of the games i went to I, it was one of the earlier ones probably like my third game this year me and sir boy we we got a sky rosa together what about this tom casey who had never been around baseball before yeah has been to more reds games than the rest of the office combined i've been to one i think paul's been to two trace has been to one like he's he's what this would be like your sixth game yeah something like that we just got to get my man season tickets just get him down there every game you're oh, going well. tonight with thomas or as i call him his good friends call him tomas yes tomas and, and sir boy wonder sir boy will probably be down there we'll probably all meet up at the bud deck and just hang out there but i mean like when the tickets are so cheap and the beer is really cheap if you go to the at the right time like it's just a good it's a good night out right like you can spend relatively like 25 30 bucks and that's it for a really good time just hanging out drinking some beer watch a baseball game maybe they win maybe they don't how win. much are beers at the ballpark well we don't we don't buy the canned stuff we just go right to the the beer gardens yeah we go to the draft where they we... have all the different micro brews from around town is that what you mean no or you just get a regular draft beer i'm just getting a regular okay. draft beer right. but okay. we're going to the five dollar beers right before the start of the game so yeah if you can get if you get there before first pitch tom right near the the entrance there is it's uh, it's something garden i don't know but it's five dollars before the games first pitch so there's normally a big line right before first and i game. think gates open like what 45 minutes or something before the game i don't know exactly it's normally 90 minutes for or, i mean 90 minutes yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah normally 90 minutes so will you get there 90 minutes before the game and start pounding five dollar beers I don't know about pounding, but we'll we'll probably head over there an hour before the game starts. Make sure we get in line soon enough to that we can actually get our beer if we want it. So it's a long it. line right from the get go. Everybody knows about it. No, it's usually it's actually not that bad if you go an hour early. Okay, it's not that bad. But well, really, usually, most of the time, if the Yankees aren't in town, most of the time there's there's nobody there anyway. Yeah, that's true. I don't know about today. It, it might be a little crowded today. But what we've been doing when we go is, well, first off, we park for free. Then we walk down to the stadium, go to that exact spot, and it's 10 bucks for you to get two beers. And you just double fist it, and you go sit down. and That'll last you through the top of the first, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's if you hadn't already gone and had some – some sort of meal at Holy Grail or something like that. But, you know, if you're not doing that, we go and get some food in the stadium. We go get a beer. So what would be your food of choice in the stadium? Probably Sky Rosa. Okay. Sky Rosa or something like that. And then uh, you just, you know, get yourself a beer. And right before the game starts, you stand in line, you know, before the first pitch. 
and then you buy two beers. So then you're 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 stocked and ready to go for the rest of the game. So relatively, you're spending about fifteen, and then it's for like, two beers, for three beers, for three beers before the game, before the game. Yep, and then like another ten fifteen on on food. So that's in total, it's like 30 bucks. And then you get a $5, $10 tickets to the game. But once the game starts, how much is a beer? Seven, eight bucks? It's over $10 now. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. So a a domestic beer is going to cost you right around 11. It's a little under $11. For one beer? For, yep. Yeah. If you get the giant can. Now, if you get a 16 ounce can, it's like $8.75. But if you. No, the 25 ounce can is $15. But the 16 ounce cans about like 875 or something like that. It might be it might be 1075. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I normally get the the 25 ounce can, 24 ounce can, whatever it is. I think, I think they give you a free free ounce. Tom, before we we I was we have a segment to go through talking about the Cincinnati Reds. But before we get to that, I gotta ask you. You seem like a domestic beer kind of guy. I am. Do you, you never drink the the craft brewery stuff? You know, I got to tell you, you know, uh, um, there there are three or four of those places um, within a mile and a half of where I live. And, you know, I, I, I they taste good. And I tend to go the more on the, the lighter side of beers, right? Yeah, yeah. Rather, I'm not a Guinness guy or stuff like that, or the heavy. Don't like the dark you know, stuff. Well, yeah, I'm just not a heavy beer guy. I, I love drinking beer, and it's really pretty much the only time, the only thing I do drink if I have a drink is beer. But, um, you know, when I'm going to be somewhere and hanging out or whatever it was, I mean, I can really drink beer. You went to OU. That's what well, they do. I mean, do. I can That's drink beer. And, and I'm not saying that in some braggadocio kind of way. I just can't. I mean, they go down. I like them if they're cold and the whole nine yards. But, you know, the difference between having, say, three or four fill-in-the-blank light beer of mm-hmm. domestic beer in a can, right, as opposed to having three or four or more uh, of those ones that are the micro-brews where, you know, the alcohol level is 7, 8, 9, 10% in those things. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't feel good. The next it is day. heavy, you, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it's just that level of alcohol, and 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 you know they're going to go down easy because they taste good, but I have a hard time with them. You like them? I every once in a while. Have you ever seen how many calories are in like an IPA? It's like four hundred calories. Like where a normal beer has like a hundred calories, an IPA is like four hundred calories. So it is very heavy for you. My favorite thing about the summer. So we have a bunch of breweries here in Hamilton, and my dad is very much a domestic beer drinker, and we go out and get beers from time to time. But every once in a while, I'll get him to go to the brewery, and my dad will take a drink of this beer. And every time, if it's like fruit tasting, if it's sweet, if it's something very good, he'll take a drink. And I feel like people across the country do this. They take one drink, and they go, oh, now that's dangerous right there. Have you ever Have you ever had – a fruity drink or something like that, and that was your immediate reaction is, oh, well, that's yeah, dangerous I mean, those right there. things that, you know, that, that you'll go to from time to time, and it's it's some theme-based party, and they mix up sure, some sure. punch kind of thing, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man. I'm in for a night. What? Jungle juice. Right. Those Terrace Park parties that no, we hear so much well, about, Tom. Yep, been there, been there, done that, uh, and we'll be there again. Uh, and, and here we go. I mean, you talk about guys that are going to drop straight off the chart in the power rankings. (laughs) 
are guys like my buddy Sir Boy Wonder when they start talking about White Claws. Tom, I'm telling you, White Claws on a nice sunny day, they're pretty nice. They're nice. Do you like flavored water? Do you ever drink like carbonated I, like a Never. Not really. Okay. Never. The only thing the only the only things that I that, that, that I drink. And and I I I'm not this isn't a stretch. Outside of mixing in maybe a you know a, a, a gin and tonic every blue moon or a bourbon uh, and water or something every blue moon, but ninety nine point nine percent of any liquid that enters my body, years and years and years and years, coffee, water, beer, that's it. UDF coffee, Pawnee water, and we don't have a beer sponsor, so Miller High Life. That's it. That's it. I don't drink soft drinks. I well, don't I... drink Gatorade. Don't drink, uh, you know, five-hour energy. N- none of that stuff. Everybody's different. I got a buddy that never drinks water. And I look oh. at him, and I'm like, how does anybody not drink water? What, what? does, what time? Well, we, uh, Sir Boy Wonder knows the answer to this question. <laughs> what do those who are up in Oxford, just uh, down the road down here, what do they drink? You know what they drink. They drink the stuff the you're talking runners. about. White Claw, uh, these whatever they are, fruity things that right. you say are great on a summer day. That's White what Claws. they're all drinking at Miami of Ohio. Mm. They're not drinking that at Ohio University. No. No. I bet, you, I bet you'd be surprised, Tom, nowadays. Now, your buddy that, that never drinks any water. Have you noticed that he, he looks a little maybe he looks a little older than he should? Because ever no, since you've he been looks dr- great. Well, ever since you've been drinking Pawnee water, Tom, you look younger. You're you're aged. Oh, yeah. You are aging in reverse. There's no doubt. There's you look no great. question. Glowing. I wish I could hear that from my wife every now and again. Mm. I probably get a little too much sun. I'm not in the sun a lot. Um, a little too much sun. Yeah. Uh, and you start getting stuff cut off your uh, body. Now, Everett says a summer shandy. Now, I tell you, that is a good beer to have on a summer day. What, Line and Kugel? Yeah. Summer shandy. That's a solid choice. Good call there, Everett. Very good call. What is kombucha? Kombucha, I, I'll be honest. I know it's a tea. I don't know much about it. I know that's like become like a – those people on the East Coast drink it, Tom. People on the East and West Coast, that's a – like Jolly Jolly or Paul would oh, drink. Oh, Jolly Jolly for sure. Would drink kombucha. Yeah, he's a coastal liberal elite. Right. Right. Yeah, who, who forgot where he came from. Hamilton, Ohio. He forgot where he came from. I've been around him years and years and years out on the road. Forgot where he came from. The only pop I drink, Tom, is Jolly's Root Beer. It's the only pop. Right down the road. Right down the road. There's one on each side of town. They got right. two of them? Oh, yeah. I used didn't to be know that. Th- used to be three. But sold it. Wow. I didn't know that. Used to be one in Fairfield. So, uh, what is this? Uh, Nathan. Ch- Nathan jumps in. Your father-in-law. That is. That he is. jumps in and says, uh, it's a fermented, lightly effervescent, sweetened black tea drink commonly consumed for its purported health benefits. Is that true or false? Is that an alcoholic uh, drink? Is that what he's saying? He's, or he's just I, saying I, it's tea. It I, says it's fermented, which would mean that... It's, it's an alcoholic drink, right? If it's fermented. 
Okay. Not sure. Don't know much about kombucha. See, this is where we're teaching all of us, not just we teaching are. Tom. We are. Thank you, guys. Sounds good. Absolutely. Um, all right, Tom, we got a segment for you. Okay. Uh, we want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds a little bit. Okay. And we're a quarter of the way through the season. 40 games in, right around there, 40 games in. So the segment, we're going to call it. We do it on Box Lunch from time to time. It's called Buy or Sell. Buy, 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 buy. Sell, 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 sell. There you go. You know Jim Cramer from Fast Money? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to give you a Tired. couple. Go yeah, ahead. No doubt about that. We'll give you a couple topics, and we're going to give you one at a time. And we want to know if you're buying it or selling this take. All right? Hunter Green will be the Reds' ace. Buying or selling? Selling. Sell, sell, sell. Selling. Casey, you buying? Um, I'm selling too, man. I just – he worries me. He worries me a lot. And I'm, I'm going to do a little tease for you, Tom, um, about something that you're going to work on, I guess, later on or that you've already done some research on. Done some research already, but we'll have it all together for the end of next week. Yeah, there, he does not. It might be the end of the following. I want to get through the first two months of the season. I want yeah. to get through the end of May where we have two full months under our belt. But go ahead. But the comparison for Hunter Green and some of these other pitchers that we're hoping that he can be, it's not even close. It's just not even close. And he's just – I know we don't have the greatest team around him, but uh, the fact that he can't even get through five innings most of the time, it, that worries me. So I'm selling on that. Hmm. I'm buying. I think that talent prevails all, and he's certainly got the talent. I think he's going to be the ace going forward. I, I, I'm predicting it's going to be Lodolo. But I'm a little concerned about this injury thing because when they first reported it, they talked about it being a calf. And, and now, now it's there's, a stress reaction. What does that mean? I have had uh, years ago uh, on a skim board. Uh, oh, yeah. I broke my fibula and tibia. Uh, and, I mean, I've had broken femur twice. You're, you, that's you're the bone in your thigh. It's a big one, one of the bigger bones in your body. But that tibia fibula thing, um, serious weight-bearing bones there that run down your shin, basically in front of one another. Um, if that's what's going on with Lodolo, and it seems to keep changing a little bit, because it was originally reported as a calf. There's a big difference between a calf pull and having some kind of stress yeah. reaction in your tibia fibula. Big difference. Tom, where were you when this skimboard accident happened? Coronado, California. Mm, that was your first mistake. Had to get on a red eye that night oh. and fly across the country to with go to broke, work. With broken bones? Broken bones. That's a nut cutter right there. That's nut cutting time. Got to deliver That's the goods. That's nut cutting time. Got to right. deliver the goods. Second topic here. Jonathan India is the second baseman of the future for the Reds. Sell. You're selling. How come? Because of it, just because of his poor defense. I think he's going to be a key part of this team moving forward. But they're going to have to make a position change with him if they want to be a team where their pitchers are confident that when the ball is put in play along the infield, that they've got guys that can catch it and make the plays and get out. And Indio last year was ranked dead last on defensive metrics of all second basemen in Major League Baseball. And he's right in that same vicinity again this year. Good offensive player, gamer, like his makeup, like his toughness, like his passion, like his leadership. He's not afraid to put stuff on him. He did that in spring training this year. I like the guy a lot, but not as a second baseman. 
Where do you think he should play? I, I, left field. Left field. All right. Casey? But I don't know if he can do it. Well, so, I mean, you know, if he can't do it or doesn't want to do it, strikes me as the kind of guy that would do whatever you ask him to do. But, you know, we've talked about this on this show. They have got some very, very, very critical decisions to make about what position guys are going to play moving yeah. forward of the guys that they're going to bring up. Mm-hmm. And the guys that they have there already, what are they going to do with them? And India is at the very top of the list. What do you guys think? Man, um, I, I don't think he'll be the second baseman of the future. I do think he's going to be on this team. I just don't know where. I mean, it, it is truly a, um, a jigsaw puzzle here that we, we got to fit the pieces together, right? And I think they'll eventually figure that out. But uh, – the question is, will he be the second baseman of the future? No. Sell, sell, sell. I'm selling. Yeah, I, to answer the question, I think I'm with you guys. I'm selling. And, it, and I think I'm going to go a different route than you guys. It's because he can't play defense at second base. But then you start looking at other positions he can play. He's a great hitting second baseman. You throw him out in left field, he's an average hitting corner outfielder. See, now you bring up a very interesting talk here, conversation. So, is, does he have a future on this team? If he can't play second base, where is he going to play? Because, like I just alluded to, he's, he's an average hitting outfielder. But he's a great hitting second baseman. So, if he can't figure it out at second base, you might not see him on the Reds going forward. See, Sir Boy points out, and, and look, we've talked about this on this program. And now, all of a sudden, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But... A really good problem to have that you have a lot of potential, very good future players to build a contending team around and, and, and position players you're going to bring up. The young pitchers are already here. But nobody saw Senzel's season coming. No. So now, you know, he is now in that whole mix again about, oh boy, what are we going to do here? His track record is he can never stay healthy unfortunately, to no fault of his own, uh, can never stay healthy. Uh, and when he was healthy, he did next to nothing in terms of production. They moved him around. I thought they jerked him around, uh, moving in positions every time you sneeze. But now all of a sudden, he's playing great. And he is without a doubt the best defensive third baseman they have on the roster. Now, are there other guys that can play there? Steer did a decent job down there. Uh, but Senzel's the best defender as a third baseman that they have. Is he, is he the kind? Let me ask you. That, what, tell me what you're going to do. Did you say India, buy or sell? Sell him. I think he's going to be off the team soon. I so think, you think they're going to trade him? I think they're going to trade him away. You think they're, think, think they're going to trade Senzel? I, you know who Nick Senzel could be to this team? Every good team has this. A guy who, if you're making the starting lineup, you're putting your best starting lineup out, he's not in it, right? These, all these great teams that make the postseason have a starting lineup, but they have a guy that plays 130 games. He just fills places for whoever needs a day off. That can be Nick Senzel. Need him to play third today? Great. Need him to play second today? Great. Corner outfielders? Nick Senzel is your guy. He's going to get 450 at-bats, but he's not a starter, quote-unquote. He's just your utility man that can help your team be a productive player. See, in theory, that is a great theory. And I have a feeling the way you just described Nick Senzel, 
that is a player that has to play for a big market team. Because Senzel's going to go, if he, if he keeps playing like he's playing, yeah. and forget the last four or five, he's going to go to arbitration this year. And the Reds are not going to pay that kind of a player. That, that's almost like the cherry on top, right? To have a guy like that on your roster. But the Reds are not going to pay a backup, basically a backup player, yeah. right? They're not going to pay that guy six, seven, eight million dollars a year. Is that what you think? Nixon he's going to he's going to make yeah. a big jump. It might be yeah. four million, right? But they're not going to pay that kind of guy to do that job. Now the Yankees, they pay that kind of guy. Cubs, they pay that kind mm-hmm. of guy, right? Yeah, no yeah. doubt. I mean, maybe he becomes that for your Chicago Cubs. <laughs> they need a lot more than that, but yeah, they do. Okay. All right, we got two more for you. All right, let her rip. The Reds are better than they're currently playing. Do you think that they are better than they're currently playing or that they are exceeding expectations? I think they're exceeding expectations. Okay. They've played well this year. I give them a lot of credit. They've hung in there, and, and yes, they have, they have played well. But I would still say exceeding expectations because I have great concern for – the bullpen moving forward with all the work that they're being asked to do. No doubt about it. So you're selling that one. Yeah. Casey, quickly. I'm actually, I'm not saying that they're better. I think they are exactly who they are right now. They are who we thought they were. They are exactly what they are supposed to be at this moment. And I know that might sound very like not answering the question, but I don't. Th- I think it could have been a whole lot worse. I think they could be a whole lot better, and we know that for a fact. This defense has been miserable, and they've had opportunities to make plays. It was what sixty-eight outs that they should have had. Yep. I mean, yeah, I think they're exactly who they are right now at this moment. I don't think they're hot. I don't think they're cold. So, I. You know what? I think I'm going to buy this. I think that the Reds are better than they're currently playing. Because if you look at how their roster is made up, you go into the season, we thought that the Reds were going to stink. And they're multiple games under 500. They might not ever get to the 500 clip. But the people on the roster, the players on the roster that are playing well, are not who we anticipated to play well. We expected the big three pitchers and Tyler Stevenson to play well. And, and, in, th- and India, I think people thought would and, play and well. India. India's playing well. Tyler Stevenson, not playing well. Not, no. As of late, the big three pitchers, quote-unquote big three pitchers, have not pitched well at all. No. It's the Jake Fraley's, the TJ Friedel's, the Nixon Zell's, the bullpen that have been driving this team to the little amounts of success that they've had. Indeed. So this team can play better, and I think that we have yet to see the best ball for the Reds going forward. So Fair enough. I think they're buying. That's a viable argument. All right, final one I got for you, Tom. If the Reds are in the hunt in July, they should trade prospects away. Mm. They are. I'll give you a scenario, and you can you can base your opinion off this. They are a couple games over 500 in a depleted NL Central. Four games back of first place, and right there for the third wild card spot. Do they take a stab and get some veteran pieces to help for the final few months? Um, I think that would depend upon – I mean, I know I have to pick one or the other. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, look, I, and I, I've used this line a thousand times and a couple times already this week. But one, but one line that just has forever been ingrained in my mind since I actually was sitting with the guy and heard him say it is when John Sheerholtz, the architect, general manager forever of the Atlanta Braves, and put together all those teams that went to 13 straight playoffs and all that kind of thing. Um, and people forget, yeah, yeah, they had Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and all that kind of stuff. But they were making decisions all the time about their prospects, uh, about trading them away, bringing this guy. Okay, uh, is it time now to trade this guy? His line was, you better know your organization better than other people know your organization. So if the Reds have 15 players they think have a legitimate chance, right? Right. Okay, of those 15, you're going to be lucky, lucky if four become bona fide everyday star players in the big leagues. Maybe four. You'd hit the lottery with four. Mm-hmm. You rarely see six, seven, eight guys come up mm-hmm. and all of them turn into play. It doesn't happen. So if you rank them 13, 14, 15, and you give up those three guys to bring in one hammer in the middle of your lineup yeah. or one hammer as a starting pitcher, with the apathy with the fan base the way it stands right now with the Reds this weekend, notwithstanding where they're going to be good crowds. But we've seen crowds of 7,000, 8,000, 9,000 regularly. Yeah. I think you would buy a lot of goodwill with your fan base. I'm not t- talking about trading away Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah, right? you can't, but, you but can't I mean, if you feel future. like as great as Encarnacion Strand was in spring training, if you feel like there's two or three guys that do the same thing that he does that are only one level behind him, and all things being equal, if you flip the coin, any one of the three is going to become a bona fide big league player for you, damn right I would. Yeah. I, I think that it only makes sense. I think it only makes sense to try and get big league guys is if you can get another year of player control. So similar to, I believe that's the, the move that the Reds made with Trevor Bauer a few years ago, if you recall. Yep. They didn't just get him for half the season. They got him for a year and a half, and that parlayed into a Cy Young season in 2020. That's the only way that I think you trade away prospects if you're competing is you got to say, listen, you're not just going to be a part of this team for two months, but you're going to be a part of this team next year when we have a full 162 games to really, really go at this thing. I think that's the only way it makes sense. But I like your point about I just, think, I just think they've gone south with a fan base, man. Yeah. And, I mean, I, it's not like I'm. it's breaking news here. Casey, did you answer this question? I have not yet. All right. And? Um, I mean, I just – I. if they were in a position where they were going for a wild card spot, I don't think they really would really need to go over the edge because it's not a well, – they're not trying to go into a position where they can go win the World Series – that's that would that we would have those conversations the following year then or we would have those you know I think that they're committed to this process at this point if they were to make a move like this I think that the uh that the you're bringing the, up the, you're the, bringing the, up a fair point the, I think I'm gonna get to your point for you is yeah. that if you get a team even if the Reds make the postseason they're not World Series contenders. that's right yeah, they'd like, have to just, win three, three to three to four series with the wild card round now, right? So they're not really contenders. So what's the point of foregoing the future just to make the postseason, just to give you, you know, a puncher's chance at doing something special like make the NLCS or 
go to the World well, Series. Well, that's why I say I would if it's if if I got 15 guys and would I give up the bottom three? I mean, I, I you know a lot of people in the chat you know asking me, am I high? You know, I I, I just feel like there's been so much damage here, so much damage um, that that you, you you know you can you can sell hope, um, but you got to see some results. No doubt. And now all of a sudden here we are in 2023 and, you know, Green struggling, right? Uh, well, that last, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. Lodolo's going to be out. I, I made the comment the other day. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's going to miss a lot of time this year. Not a month like they told us at the very right. beginning. I don't believe anybody anymore in sports when they tell me about a player's injury. They, now, they, if they tell you they're having Tommy John, you know what you're getting. Right. But – when they, when any team, and this isn't a knock on, you know, the the Reds in particular, I I, I don't believe them. I don't believe them. I and then why would they share everything with everybody anyway? They they probably shouldn't. I think it was a couple of years ago. Mike Trout had an injury in middle of May. He was knocking the cover off the ball, and they said Mike Trout's going to be out for four weeks, similar to the injury that Nick Lodolo has has a stress reaction. We never saw Mike Trout for the rest of the year. That's right. And I hope that doesn't happen to Nick Lodolo as well. Okay. Uh, some of the reactions in the uh, chat here, you know, talking about um, um, Chad says, David Bell would start Barrero and Newman in a postseason game. <laughs> Golly, Trace yeah. Fowler asked a good question. Why, and I like your take on this while we're getting the guests ready. Um, who is the Reds' comp in the NFL? I don't know enough about what people are selling, and I don't know enough about. It's a good question, but I don't know enough about where 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 people are uh, in, in the NFL with their fan base. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, like like for example, Detroit has stunk forever, always outside of a year here. You, but you know, Spielman comes in, they basically you know put him in a position to start now. This you know, making moves with a new GM, making moves with a new coach. The, 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 the players they bring in, the general manager brings in. Uh, and all of a sudden, I mean, that city is just, I mean, it, the season can't start soon enough. Right. Right. I don't know where the, you know, teams like the Bears. Yeah. You know, I mean, I live in Chicago, incredible fan base, uh, you know, that kind of thing. All right. Uh, we got our guy on, ready to go? We do. Busy guy. I mean, he's got a lot going on. Talking to uh, Paul O'Neill. Uh, Paulie, how are you? I mean, you look like you ought to still be playing. I, I saw you the other day. Yeah. You didn't see me, but I mean, you are you in better shape now? I know you're older and I get all that, but physically, are you in better physical condition than at any point in time when you played? You know, there are certain things that you can stay up with, but the, there are certain things you can't fight. For one thing, you, you can't see the seams of a baseball anymore, so you can't hit <laughs> it. Uh, could I run the bases? Could I catch some fly balls? Yes, but uh, far from being able to play at the major league level at this point. I know a lot of time has gone by, but, you know, I talk to guys a lot through the years. Do you miss playing? You miss uh, – you know, it's funny. I was out on the um, – the field the other day and I was watching judge and watching all these guys hit. I missed the preparation. I, I missed the anticipation of the games, uh, being part of a team. Uh, obviously you missed the, the playoffs and the world series, but, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go along with, uh, playing in the major leagues and the travel, um, the, you know, the minor injuries, the getting beat up every day, those things I don't miss. 
but uh, you know, just the preparation and, and how hard that you can work to, to get ready to, to put yourself in a position to play well. And obviously at the end of my career, uh, you know, those, those wonderful years where we were winning World Series, how can you not miss that? You know, I, I was telling the story a little bit earlier before you came on. Uh, you know, I was announcing the Arizona Diamondbacks games back in 2001, and, and, and that was your final season. And, and I was there uh, doing the games for the Diamondbacks on the radio, um, those, the, the, the games three, four, and five there at Yankee Stadium. And you had already, you know, made the decision that you were going to retire at the end of the year. And every time you came to the plate in that series, in those three games in Yankee Stadium, I mean, you know, I, I, I get goosebumps just, just thinking about remembering uh, the, the crowd and the way they were behind you and what you had meant to them. I mean, look, you had a lot of phenomenal moments in your career. Um, just as a Paul O'Neill fan, I, I can't imagine anything could ever top that. Just you walking to the plate in that series, every single at bat. Yeah, it, um, I mean, it obviously was a special thing. And I always kind of explain it and people say, you know, how do you, how'd you feel when, you know, you're, you're, you're standing in right field and 50,000 people are cheering your name. And it's just like, you know, everything you do in sports, you've practiced for, you know, you, you've, you've taken your batting practice, you've taken your fly balls. You, well, how do you practice for that other than dream about it? Maybe when you're five years old out in the backyard. So, uh, and at the time, you know, we're losing a World Series game. And so it was like, it was an unbelievable night, but then it ended up, we win win the game in dramatic fashion. And it just, uh, you know, those are one of those nights, as you said, Tom, I even think about it today and I can't get over it, uh, that it did happen. And uh, I, I can't tell you enough, you know, what the New York fans um, meant to me while we were going through those World Series runs. We had Steve Serby on uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him, I said, you know, it, it takes a special cat to play in New York. Doesn't matter what the sport is, basketball, baseball, football. It takes a special dude to play there. And I asked him, I said, what is it that, 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 that make guys, you know, that separate the guys that can really handle it and the pressure and the expectations and the media and everything – as opposed to the guys who, who just don't deal with it. You know, the stories of the Ed Whitsons of the world and all that kind of thing, right? How did you succeed? You know, small town guy, uh, started your big league career in Cincinnati, and now you're in New York. How were you able to handle it so brilliantly? Well, I mean, one thing is uh, – you talk about timing. I mean, I was brought there at a time where they were starting to turn that team around. We added a lot of new faces. Um, I didn't realize how much pressure you put on yourself playing at home and playing, you know, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I felt like, um, you know, everybody was watching every at bat, every move, you know, they were listening to your father on the radio with Joe Nuxall every night. And, you know, I felt like I had something to live up to uh, being at home. And then, all of a sudden you get this distorted view that once you're in New York, you know, nobody knows what's going on. Well, everybody knows what's going on, but it's, uh, I, again, I, I went there at a perfect time. Uh, we started to turn the team around and then all of a sudden, you know, we started opening the minor league doors to, to take us to a, a different level. And you had Derek Jeter and Mariano and Jorge Posada and Pettit all come up at once where, you know, we became a good team 
into a great team because, you know, we had veteran players and we had youth and we had a, a, an unbelievable manager in Joe Torrey and one of the better bench coaches and baseball lifers of all time, Don Zimmer. So um, they're just, it was kind of a storybook time um, uh, in my career, obviously, and in New York, because uh, now you realize how hard it is to win that much. Uh, doesn't matter what organization you're, you're in. You went from being a very good player here, young player, to becoming one of the all-time great Yankees. And, man, that's saying something when you talk about one of the all-time great Yankees. Would you have been as great a player, have you ever thought about it, had you stayed in Cincinnati? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think that my career in looking back was, um, you know, it, it happened perfectly. Because when I was drafted by the Reds, being a hometown, it, it's, it was exciting. And at the time, I felt like the Reds organization – uh, their fundamentals, their minor leagues was the best in baseball. The traditions of the Cincinnati Reds were there. Then being called up in 1985, there were still pieces to that big red machine that, you know, you just sat back and, and you watched Pete Rose and you watched Tony Perez and Concepcion and Griffey. And it just, those is, that's how you learn as a young player. And you, you didn't speak. You just watched how they went about their business and you watched uh, the importance of winning. So I was kind of taught that before I went to New York, and then it was kind of natural for me. All right, uh, before we let you get out of here, you're a broadcaster now with the Yankees. Uh, they get a win last night. Uh, they come rolling in to start a series tonight. You're doing the games on TV this weekend, right? Yeah, I got. we got uh, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Okay, um, talk about the Yankees. I mean, you know, we know all the big names, Judge, a whole nine yards. It's taken them a little while to kind of get things going. Are they playing their best baseball of the season right now? As far as overall offense, yes. I mean, there's still a lot of injuries in this lineup. Stanton's still out of the lineup. Uh, you know, you've got Rodon hasn't pitched. Severino hasn't pitched. So the, the starting pitching is not where it should be. But to answer your question, yes, I think they're playing as good or as, as well as they've played all year. Winning three out of four up in Toronto is huge. Aaron Judge all of a sudden off the IL, six home runs in the last six games. I mean, he is such a force and such an, uh, a big part of baseball. He's kind of the face of the Yankees, the face of baseball. And um, it's fun to see. And, you know, when they come to Cincinnati, I uh, just walked out of the weight room. People are talking about, wow, the Yankees are in town. And that's still something cool uh, when organizations show up and people look forward to seeing, you know, star players. And, and Aaron Judge and uh, Rizzo, uh, these are star players. And they just happen to be wearing the New York Yankee uniform. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, Aaron Boone. Uh, a lot of people were big fans of Aaron Boone here as a player. I mean, guy was a gamer, much like yourself, laid it all on the line, uh, wore his emotions on his sleeve, whole nine yards. Very different as a manager uh, as far as that role and that job and all the things along with it. For Reds fans out there that remember Aaron Boone, the player, what's Aaron Boone, the manager, like? Well, he's much more laid back, obviously. Uh, I, I, you know, he came from the lineage of baseball with his father, and much like David Bell. So they know the game. They know the, the length of the season, the up and downs. Uh, he has to deal with the New York media every single day. Uh, Yankees are very analytical now, so a lot of the decisions are made um, on paper. But Aaron Boone is very good at, at uh, his temperament as far as when they're going through bad times. You know, you don't feel nerves and, and feel like he's putting pressure on players. And I think that's probably as important thing as you could do as a manager, uh, especially in New York.
All right. Paul, we thank you so much for your time today. Uh, have fun down there. Uh, I know a lot of people will be excited right. to see you. All right. I look forward to it. Good talking All to right. you, Tom. You too. Paul O'Neill, kind enough to join us, and he'll be down there tonight. Uh, is the Sunday game. I wonder why they're not doing Oh, you know, they, they have that thing in New York where I think they do some of the games. They do all the games on the Yes Network, but then maybe on weekend games they get uh, an over-the-air channel that maybe picks up their games on Sundays, whatever it might be. So maybe that's why he's not doing the game. The game on Sunday is going to be on Peacock, which is why the oh, game. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. It's going to be at 1135. So it's before noon on Sunday. They're playing at 1135. Is that a paywall, Peacock? It's NBC. So, well, I know that's yeah, the one yeah. that's going to do the playoff game, NFL. Yeah, I yeah. imagine it's going to be. I imagine it's a paywall. Golly hey, day, I didn't know that. In a in a in a sport that is constantly trying to find new eyes, they are making it harder than ever to watch the game. They have the Apple TV game of the week costs money. NBC's Peacock game of the week costs money. Yeah. Paywall, Valley Sports is it on YouTube TV. It's harder than ever to watch baseball, Tom, and they wonder why the game is dwindling in popularity, although the rule changes will certainly help. You know, we didn't get into, and I want to take a break real quick, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll come back for the last 15 minutes of the show. I, I, I want to I stay on this topic a little bit. Okay. Because I brought it up, and we were going to talk about it. The, uh, Sir Boy says, will Rizzo be uh, on the injured list after this weekend? <laughs> I love Rizzo. Is Sir Boy going to rough him up? Is that what he's alluding to? All right, Ham and Eggers, take it away. We got some stuff to cover here. All right. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. So we know Sir Boy is going to boo when Anthony Rizzo comes to the plate tonight. Are you going to boo, Casey? No, I can't do that. Good. Not, not, Not when I know that. Your your bloodline, your 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 family is tied to that name. You know? Sir Boy hates my dog. That's a fact. He hates your dog. He hates golden retrievers, apparently. Who hates golden retrievers other than Sir Boy Wonder? Yeah, it's ah. just a line I can't cross. I, I'll boo on everyone else, though. I, I won't do anything when he comes out. I won't cheer. I'll just blank stare. Everyone else, I'll boo. So do you know any? Do you know any Yankees? Any famous Yankees besides Rizzo? Judge Aaron Judge, yeah, he's the kind of almost the face of the game. I'd, I'd say that Shohei Otani might be the face of the game now. Mike Trout was it for was, a while, but was Derek Jeter at one point? He was a Yankee. Yeah, so point, yeah. I looked this up. Paul O'Neill won five World Series, five of them: nineteen ninety with the Reds, nineteen ninety six with the Yankees, then ninety eight, ninety nine, and two thousand with the Yankees when they three peated. There are only, I believe, 23 players in the history of game that have more World Series wins than Paul O'Neill. Now, granted, every single one of those guys won all their World Series with the Yankees because there's been 123 World Series. And the Yankees have won 27 of them. So they have won darn near a fifth of the World Series that have ever been played, which is just impressive. Really a testament. Do you, any of those other names sound familiar? I'm looking through them. Is Aaron Hicks? Was that maybe not? I don't know. No, they don't no have any else. former Reds on there. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton's pretty famous. He won an MVP, almost hit 60 home runs when he played for the Marlins. Um, Anthony Rizzo played for the Cubs. DJ LeMay. Garrett Cole is one of the, if not the best pitcher in the American League. He's one of them, certainly. He's 
the first, I believe, $300 million man in the game. But it'll be fun. I'm, a, I'm actually sad that I won't be able to go down. I have some plans tonight. Tomorrow I go out of town for a wedding. And then if I could make it back in time Sunday, I would be there to watch the, the Cubs play because, admittedly, I'd want to watch Anthony Rizzo play. And I, when the Yankees come to town, I feel like if you're a baseball fan, you got to go. But I just don't have time. Simply don't have time to make it down. So that's a shame. Will Tom defend Rizzo's hotel comments? Sir Boy Wonder paid $1.99. Tom, will you defend Anthony Rizzo's hotel comments? No, I won't defend that. I mean, give me a break. Not a nut cutter. I mean, come on. Give me a break. No, he, I mean, yeah, but I mean, come on. I mean, it, that, that, that was ridiculous. Even if it's true, it's ridiculous to come out and, and say it publicly. It's ridiculous. Mm. Come on. You wanted to break down uh, the game. And, no, uh, I wanted to talk about this whole thing about a paywall. And I'm asking yeah. you guys this question because these are the kinds of decisions that people in New York City, where Major League Baseball is headquartered, where the National Football League is headquartered. Yeah. Okay? So whether it's Roger Goodell or Rob Manfred, they've got a lot of uh, – they're smart guys and they've got a lot of smart guys around, men and women, right? And, you know, you get the marketing people in, you get the – uh, revenue people in, you get everybody in, and you start making these decisions about what you just talked about. Okay, Apple TV does, uh, and let, 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 I mean, let, let's face the facts. It's all about the cash. Right. I mean, it's all Always about the be. cash. All, yeah, that's right. So, you know, you sign an exclusive deal, baseball, with uh, Apple. Um, last year, the NFL. Uh, so if you want to watch those games, uh, if it's the Reds and the Yankees, like it is this Sunday on Peacock, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, b- before I go any further on this one, because this is what they did with the National Football League announcement about the playoff game. We talked about this the other day. Yeah. For those of you that didn't see the story, Peacock, which is the streaming arm of you know, NBC Universal, right? right? The whole nine yards. Right. Okay, all of these companies, broadcast companies, are looking for the cash in the stream. Okay, all of them. That's where a lot of this stuff's going. We all know that. But... You know, it was announced, Peacock announced, and the NFL more accurately announced, uh, that this year, for the first time ever, an NFL game in primetime playoff game, wild card weekend, okay? So NBC will have a game in the afternoon, and then that night, Peacock is going to be the exclusive provider of that playoff game for the entire country. One caveat. Because it's NBC, if the Bengals are playing the Ravens, let's just go back to the first round of last year's playoffs, okay? If the Bengals, and actually it wouldn't be that because the Ravens would have already, anyway, let's just pick this to keep it simple. Right. The NBC affiliate, WLWT Channel 5 here in town, uh, and the NBC affiliate in Baltimore, they would put the game on free TV for the people in the home markets that are playing in the game. Yeah. Okay, so, you, you know, if you're a Bengals fan, you're not going to get bounced out to some paywall for a playoff game. It's going to be on free. And I don't know if that's happening this weekend with the Reds game. Is it, Channel 5 able to pick that game up? No, it's going to be exclusively behind Peacock. Nick Kirby brings up a good point in the chat. He said he's playing devil's advocate. There are so many Reds fans that don't get the Bally subscription for whatever reason, but those fans probably have Peacock, which is only $5 a month to watch, you know, The Office, any of their streaming services. So it's a way a lot of fans can actually see the game. That is a fair point, is that 
a lot of people already have Peacock anyways, but they are not getting bounced. But to answer your question, they are not. Okay. They cannot watch that on All right, but here's what I'm ultimately getting at, because I want to hear both of you guys, because you're both big sports fans. Mm -hmm. You both love football. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reed, you're a big baseball guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And Casey, you have gone to more Reds games than anybody in the room. You're kind of taking baseball into under your arm here. You're attempting to do so. Yes. Okay. But let's, for you, let's keep it at football and for Reed, football, and baseball both, right? Yeah. You're a Cub fan. Yep. Um, are you okay with, let's start on the baseball end. You okay with having to, to pay to watch the, 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 I mean, you've been paying for a long time, but you know what I'm saying here. You going to sign up for Peacock if that's the only way you're going to be able to watch your Cubs? So, uh- yeah, if they're the only way to watch the Cubs, I, I probably will sign. I, I already paid 25 bucks a month for to watch Cubs games. That's how much it costs for MLB television. You get every out-of-market TV game. Um, but, yeah, I, I would pay $5. It is frustrating when you get you sit down and you're going to go watch the Cubs game and you, you turn on MLB TV and it's like, oh, this game's not on today. you got to watch it on Apple television or you got to watch it on Peacock. <sighs> For football, I'd watch. I'd automatically. That's that's nothing. If I got to pay five bucks to watch a postseason football game, that's nothing. So for if, a baseball game, one game, I might just not watch it. Okay. So uh, I, w- I want to clarify though when you say about the NFL game, no brainer, you'd do it. Absolutely. So in a wild card game, if it had nothing to do with the Bengals or mm-hmm. the next potential Bengals opponent, let's say yeah. the Bengals get a first round by. It's an NFC. It's an NFC wild card. Yeah. Say it's say it's. Um, uh, Say it's Seattle against uh, Dallas. Uh, no, not Dallas. Say Seattle against uh, Philly. Okay. You going to pay for that game? Yeah, I think I might. Um, yeah, I think I would. Football, football is superior. Yeah. I. Uh, luckily for me, most of the time between the, the two families, Alex and I's families, we can find the subscription somewhere between the – the, the two families so i'll be able to watch it regardless but if that wasn't an option and i needed to pay for it um football's king so i would i would 100 especially in the playoffs i don't know if i would do it for regular season game like a prime time regular season game i don't know if i would do that i'd probably try to go somewhere where it was free like at a bar or something um i'll tell you what for as many games as i've been to for the Reds, I have not watched a Reds game on TV legitimately yet. Like, I've watched it on the illegal streaming sites here in the office. I've I've watched it, like, in person. I've watched it through the GameCast on ESPN. I have not watched it on television yet. Because it's hard to watch. That's, it, yeah. that's a big problem for the MLB is they can't get in front of enough eyes. They wonder why no one's watching. People don't know how to watch or they have to pay to watch or it's hard to get MLB in front of their eyes. I think MLB TV is a great product, Tom. Minus the blackouts. And maybe there's nothing you can do about it because these cable companies are going to have paid so many so much money and rights that when you're in the market, you have to watch their games. But can't we figure out a way to you pay a lump sum for the MLB games? You get to watch every MLB game regardless of where you're at. 
I would like to watch the Reds more often. I don't want to have to download Bally Sports. My MLB TV subscription should pay, should be able to watch Reds games. I don't care about blackouts. I, they should be gone. They should be gone. I hear a lot of people say the same thing. I mean, David says the same thing in the chat. David, great having you with us today. Been a while since we've heard from you. Welcome back. Uh, and we're going to get to the power rankings here in just a minute. Yep. But, you know, the, 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 look, I, I'm, I'm just not smart enough to – I'm really not, even though I was in the business because it's gotten so complicated. The fans clearly want blackout stuff to go away. It doesn't matter what sport it is. They want it to go away. It took it away in um, But, you know – then you start getting into, um, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, buying uh, to watch a particular team. And if you're spending the money to watch that team, shouldn't the team that has more people that are subscribing and purchasing to watch that team, in theory, shouldn't they get more money than the small market team? Or is this one of those deals where, like with a national television deal with Fox or ESPN or whoever it is they have it with, uh, Apple and these kinds of things where the teams divided up evenly. You know, you start getting into that. Uh, people have talked here on the chat about starting a, a, a Reds television network. That's not happening. Yeah. It's too much money. And it's going against whatever the, the, the league is talking about. And somebody else made it, said, I wish the, the Reds would do what the Cubs did. Well, what a lot of people don't know is, is because they go by a different name, this whole Bally's thing, Right. The Cubs deal is with Bally's. They Mar just call it Marquee. Oh, really? I, di I didn't even know that. That is the parent company of that is this Diamond Sports. But in Chicago, you know, it was such a huge deal that they gave it a different name. Mm. Marquee is Bally Sport. Sports. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I know that. Yeah. So for people to say they want it to be like the Cubs, it is. Just set up a little so, bit different. A lot more money they poured into it in the whole nine yards to have the rights to do the Cubs games. So what about the Yes Network? Is that owned by the Yankees? The Yes Network, it, it was. I don't know where it is now. When it started, it was owned by Fox and the Yankees in a partnership. Okay. So I don't know where that stands now. The Dodgers have their own thing. They have their right? own, but they are. Uh, is it the same thing? 85% of greater Los Angeles can't watch the games on local cable. Since the day they started it. Wow. I mean, there were people in Los Angeles. Because what Ben Scully would do is, when he was still broadcasting and doing only home games, then would do the games on television. The last four or five years of his career, Something like 80% of uh, Los Angelinos could not watch the Dodger games on television. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like if you have it and I have it, uh, YouTube TV. Yeah. You can't watch your Reds. Yep. All right. Nick Kirby says, yes, is Bally too. And then Jordan Earhart put in an interesting thing about blackouts. He said he lives 40 miles north of Indianapolis. Because of blackout restrictions, he can't watch the Cubs, Reds, White Sox, or the Tigers on MLB TV. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, uh, now, and Nick, thank you for that. Sir Boy points out uh, the Yankee Global Enterprise, as it's called, uh, is the largest shareholder, Sinclair, which is the parent company of Bally's slash Diamond Sports. And now Amazon has a 15% stake in that as well. You can see where that's going. Yeah. <laughs> you can see where that's going. All right. Are we ready? 
Yeah, let's do it. So this this isn't me picking. This is me. So you're the one picking ahead of time. I want Mouse Cop to jump in before we reveal this, what he thinks. Uh, and Nick, by the way, points out Yankees now have 20 games that are on Amazon Prime exclusively. You can see where it's going. Yeah, I didn't even know be, that. You that's going to be Amazon going. in a few years. All right, what about uh, one last try here? Oh, David points out we're an hour and 55 minutes into the show, and how will we miss the biggest sports event of the day? The Marymount Warriors against Edgewood tonight in the state tournament in lacrosse. Mm. Go Warriors. Mm. Um, okay. Tom did not duck. PB's ghost, I'm not ducking it. I laid it out earlier. It would be unfair of me, too unfair to you, for me to be the guy picking these. Tom Everett, if you guys had Everett anywhere near... Anywhere in the, was he in the top five, yes or no? Last time he was in no, the... No, today. Today. Is he in the top five? Just tell me ahead of time. Yeah. Ass out right now. <laughs> Ass out. Ouch. He just rode Edgewood. He said he was surprised that Edgewood has a lacrosse team, which is a genuine, like, that is that is a shock. They for, have boys and girls. Yeah, for a school from Trenton, Ohio, to have a lacrosse team. Okay. All right, so let's get to it. Here we go. All right, let's get to it. Um, the chat... Power rankings for this week, as chosen by Reed Mouse. You are going to be doing it next week, though, Tom. Correct? I'm going to do my best to start making some notes. All right. All right. Good enough. Don't have to think about it too hard. But, uh, Casey, whenever we're ready for, for box lunch. Yep. We will pull it up in just a yeah, second. we're doing this live. Here we go. All right. So let's go ahead and get to the chat power rankings. As first, as always. We're going to go through some honorable mentions. Okay. Um, honorable mention this week, we've got Peanut Butter's Ghost, Paul Brown's Ghost, uh, Sir Boy Wonder, not in the top five. Wow. And that is because Sir Boy has joined the chain that he, that I should be fired. He also said that <laughs> he hates Rizzo, which is just so mean towards my golden retriever, Rizzo. So I don't know why you hate dogs, Sir Boy, but whatever. Ronnie, wow. Sm Ronnie Smith. Um, he's also in the honorable mentions. Ronnie is a welcome part of the, the chat. So that's the first group of honorable mentions. This is the second part, and we've got the real spirit cat. I think, for what it's worth, no one has a better rate of great chats to, to how much they chat than real spirit cat. He doesn't come in a whole lot, but when he does, they are phenomenal. I, he's teetering right around that top five jordan Earhart. i wanted to put you in the top five because you're a hoosier and i'm a hoosier so we love the hoosiers um but i couldn't put you in there's just a group of five that just barely edged you out and then brian b as always we appreciate brian b in the brian chat. b solid very solid we do have a new addition which is the dishonorable mention which is one person and one person only that is the player <laughs> formerly known as mouse cop you are the first ever and you will always be a dishonorable mention as long as i'm doing these chats so congratulations to you mouse cop is I'll that his picture on his that is his yeah. picture that is it from the key and peace key and peel sketch um the player formerly known as mouse cop is a dishonorable mention all right casey can i get a drum roll here Number five, Leif Erickson. Leif Erickson back in the top five. Yep. He joined in today. I, he was on the chat. I forget what day it was earlier this week, but 
It was nice to see Leif Erikson around. We thought that he was gone. We thought he was exiled because of Casey, but he has come back from um, traversing the open waters to come back yes. to our chat. So yes, we the high seas. Yeah, the high seas. So thank you for coming back, Leif Erikson. Uh, number four. He got slighted earlier this week on this show, and that was by his best friend, Casey McAllister. Yes, he did. Tomas, Thomas, the best man. You're in the chat power rankings because of how well of a bachelor party he threw last week. If Casey won't give you a 10 out of 10, I'll give you a 10 out of 10. I wasn't even there. I wish I was. I give him, a, I give him an 11. 11 out of 10. Did a I great was there job. and hung out with, with, with my man, Tomas. His friends He's... call him Tomas. All right, number three. Number three. Straight from prison, we have George Santos. I don't know how he has internet access from his cell, but we're glad you're in the chat every day, George Santos. Um, we welcome you in here. Uh, whatever happens with your legal battles, we're here for you right here, man. Thank you for always being a part of this. I got to tell you, Matt ba Bailey brings up a great point. He says, a guy that's been gone for weeks and now he's in the top five, really? Talking about Leif Erickson, it's a legitimate question. Go ahead. I think I think the chat universally loves Leif Erickson. I think that's a, a fair point. They do. Number two. This might come as a shock to most people. Chad Waits. Chad Waits. No one preaches E-L-E -E more than Chad Waits, which is the mantra of Nutcutter Nation. Everybody loves E-L-E. Everybody love everybody. E-L-E. Man. We don't always hold to it, but that I believe that is the mantra of Chad Waits. And people might have thought that I was putting him in here at number one. We've, I don't know. I, he was number one last week. He couldn't be back-to-back. -back. So he's been two, one, and then two. He's, he's been the top two for the past three weeks. He gives, I mean, the energy that he presents in the chat is just <laughs> phenomenal. Um, he also made me part of his Twitter profile picture, so he's buttering me up a little bit. Um, but we have him at number two. And before we get this, there's a couple people that you might be wondering have not been named. Uh, OJ's 94 Bronco. Well, he's upset. I like bacon. But number one, Everett Henry. I think. I love the picture. It's a beautiful picture, right? Great picture. Him and his wedding. But Everett Henry, you are number one this week, and though I don't think you have gotten on the train of trying to get me fired, so stay away from that. But <laughs> you have been phenomenal, not only in the chat, but also on Twitter, just constantly, you know, giggling at the rest of the AFC North. So we appreciate that. I always like when the question gets presented, are the Bengals better than they were at the end of the year? You are quick on the trigger to let everyone know that – the Bengals are better than they were at the beginning. Nobody knows that. We all know that, Tom. Nobody Ever knows that. Everett, they Henry haven't Nolan. played yet. They're better, Tom. They're better, Tom. You just got to believe. Faith. That's what we talk about. Everett, <laughs> Henry, thank you for being number one. You've put him at number one a couple times now. I you? like Everett Henry. It's the Ramley. He's from Ross. I'm from Baden. Ramley. Everett says, love you all. EME, right? E-L-E? E-L-E. 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 Uh, Ronnie Smith says, Tom, could you please get the ranking right when you do your top five? So Tom Tom asked for an extension. He came he came to the chat and said, I hey, did. I need – he's, he's 
you know, you're in college, you're working on a great paper, you just need a little more time. I do. Right? You just got to perfect it. Got an it. extension. So I we're giving them notes next Friday. Next week during the week. Yeah. I, we're excited for you, Tom. I, I'm excited. Um, okay. Uh, a couple things looking ahead to next week. Really looking forward to a couple of guests in particular. Um, we're going to have Scott Boris on. Um, oh, wow. Every year, one of the top two most powerful men in baseball. Every year, one of the top five most powerful people in sports, period. Super agent to the stars. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. And Steve says, I hate this shirt. Steve, I'm making notes right now <laughs> for next week. I love this shirt. Um, and uh, Ted Barrett is going to be with us, if you've heard that name. He is uh, considered to be, if not the best, one of the very best umpires in Major League Baseball. He'll be joining us for an extended conversation last, uh, next week. So we're looking forward to that, among so much more. So, Casey, have fun at the ball game tonight. I will. I'm Tell uh, Tomas, a.k.a. Thomas, Sir Boy Wonder in person, I said hello. I will. I'll let them know. Reed, big plans this weekend? Got a wedding tomorrow up in... Uh... Northeastern Ohio. I don't know the, the town quite quite what where I mean, we're going. Canton, Akron. Yeah, or... it's around that area, but it's one of the smaller towns. Okay. One of the smaller. Got towns some around. nice towns up there. Yeah, that's where my my wife's uh, father's from. So we're gonna go see some cousins and be nice. Should be fun. Safe travels. Godspeed ahead. Yeah. Thanks to all of you for joining us. Uh, fun group. Everett, congratulations. By the way, I wanted to have you bounce for the Edgewood thing, but. It's not my week to make the call. Yeah, you threw me for a loop there when you when you said he's got to be balanced and he was my number one. That was, but that he was, did clarify by he did. just he saying did. that he, he did. didn't know they had a team. Good luck to the Warriors, Tom. Amen. Thanks. Uh, everybody stay healthy. That's all we're hoping for. <laughs> all right, you guys have a great weekend. God bless. We'll look forward to seeing you next Monday on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Be well.